You're listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast, a deeper look into the Sikh identity. We present to you open, honest, and inspiring stories. No armor, pretense, or sugarcoating. Welcome back to the Experience Sikhi podcast. We welcome you from part one, which you were just listening to. Part two is beginning now. Okay, so let's hear more about that job specifically. I'm yeah. including myself. A lot of people may be unfamiliar with what supply chain management or procurement mm-hmm. specifically is, but can you describe mm-hmm. your role and what you do uh, with HelloFresh? Right. Uh, yeah, even I didn't know what supply chain, like I didn't really understand supply chain management or procurement before I started. Um, mm. This is where a LinkedIn linda video i think back in the day they were called linda videos but now they're called just like linkedin learning videos i like watched two three of those the night before my interview (laughs) and i was like what can i gather what information can i gather on this topic um again see art of inquiry i was able to figure it out yeah right wow applying your education applying or i was tricking myself into applying my education at least (laughs) but uh supply chain is basically supply chain management is just managing the whole uh the chain of like getting a raw material doing something to it manufacturing it packing it whatever and then like getting it to the customer so it's like that whole chain beginning to end so end to end it can be business to customer or it can be like supplier to customer like that's basically how we're looking at it for in in a food in a food sense it's like all the way from the farm right or which is where all of our produce and even like our protein for like uh, like meat products and things like that, dairy, uh, every, so everything from the farm to the customer's table or like in their yeah. house when they get the product, right? So uh, procurement is the process of like procuring that, procuring or buying or purchasing the raw material that you need mm-hmm. in order to create your product. So okay. it's like the upstream, it's the upstream part of the supply chain. So the supply chain can be split into upstream and downstream. Right. So the upstream part is everything that, again, you need to get that product into your manufacturing facility or your distribution Mm -hmm. center. Right. So at HelloFresh, we call them distribution centers because we're not really manufacturing anything, even though we are manufacturing a lot of our in-house packaged products. But for the sake of this conversation, we call it a DC distribution center. And then anything for any a part of then the upstream part of the supply chain is getting it from the DC to the customer. So that's like all logistics, right? So I'm on the supply, I'm on the procurement side, right? Uh, Procurement and operations is dealing with everything from uh, and so so sourcing, procurement, and operations. So there's like three departments. So sourcing means like even finding the vendors that you're going to be working with, right? Then the procurement part is buying the product that you need from that vendor. Uh, based yep. on the contracts that the that you create with them in the sourcing stage, and then getting that product from the vendor's facility to our facility. So the okay. logistics up until that point. Then once it gets to the DC, dealing with production, warehouse, QA, right? So these are the three main functions that are at the DC. So inboundings, like the warehouse team is bringing the product in, the mm-hmm. QA team is checking it, making sure it's all good to go because it's a food company, right? So QA is a really big part of it. Um, quality yep. assurance, that's what it stands for if everybody's wondering. Um, FSQA is the full title, but we just call it QA. So it's food safety, quality. Uh... Assurance. Assurance. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> QA, we'll just call it QA, QA or QC, yeah. so quality control. And then production team is the one who's actually creating or like, putting this product together and then outbound logistics yeah. is the one who's sending it out. Right. Yeah. Um, hello fresh. I should have started with what the actual product or the company is. So we're a meal kit delivery service, mm-hmm. um, where you can make an account online on hellofresh.ca and you can order meal kits. So you're getting all your ingredients for that specific recipe delivered to your doorstep mm-hmm. and all you have to do is cook it. Right. So it's kind of like that balance for people that are very busy, uh, but don't want to eat out all the time. Right. So it's cheaper than eating out. um, But you also don't. And it's also cheaper than grocery because you're getting exactly what you need to create that recipe. So a lot of a lot of the marketing around this product is like less food waste, um, 
you don't have to come to the grocery store you're bringing everything in you're like you're you get exactly what you need in order to create that meal right Mm. Uh, apart from like very basic pantry items like oil salt pepper and water like that kind of stuff but even like all your seasonings all your produce your protein your fats your like everything that you need is in that little kit bag and you get it you get the option of um choosing like two to four recipes per week and then you can also select Mm. the meal size so it can be a two-person meal a four-person meal so that's those are the two sizes right and uh the amount of work the rod that it takes to put together one case so the case is what we refer to as like the whole box that you're getting with all your recipes in it Mm -hmm. right so for example i get i have my delivery schedule set to every two weeks instead of every week um Mm -hmm. so it's every two weeks i get three recipes that have four servings each right so that's 12 oh, okay. servings that i'm getting every two weeks because that that fits yep. my personal needs the best some people might want less some people might want more mm-hmm. um and i select that online and i'm gonna like somebody or a bunch of this whole proc ops team and a bunch of other people are working on getting this getting my meal kit made and delivered to my house within like on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis, right? Uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of this stuff that like before we can even do our job, which is the procurement, the procurement part of it, we rely on information and data from the demand planning team and the supply plan team. So the demand planning team is the one who's looking at like, what are we even expecting to sell this week based yeah. on historical data? So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of, engineering and like software and like the data team does god knows what i have no idea what they Mm -hmm. do but they basically tell us hey this is what we're expecting to sell this week based on the orders that we already have based on historical trends this is how much we expect to go up this down this week is how much we expect to Mm -hmm. go down so we're like adjusting our orders and we're adjusting our uh like needs and communicating with the suppliers basically on a daily basis Wow. So that's the most exhausting part of operations. It's a 24-7 type of role because mm-hmm. the DC is running on a 24-7 cycle, right? Yeah. So it's not like a typical 8 to 4 or 9 to 5. It's yeah. like uh, maybe wow. I'll start a little late, but I'm, I get a call from, in the middle of the night from like one of my logistics company carriers being like, mm-hmm. sorry, our truck broke down. What do we do? And this is like 9 p.m. Yeah. at night and I have to pick up my call and be like, okay, this is a plan, this is what we need to do, transfer the product to another truck, and then everything gets impacted down the line. So now you're just solving, yeah. you have to anticipate and solve the problem, all the problems from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. So that's a lot of communication, a lot of making sure you're communicating to the right team so everybody knows what's going on, because the worst thing in that kind of scenario is like somebody's out of the loop, right? So yeah. the best way that wow. HelloFresh has kind of... Uh, worked around that is like slack we just slack is our like holy grail so there's like a hundred channels and a hundred little groups and a hundred little huddles that happen like every day it's a lot of it's very overwhelming but you definitely get used to it like it after the first three months i was shocked at how much information i was able to retain within like Hmm. like so quickly but it's um a lot of it is just like the skills that you need for it is you need to remember you can't be forget you can't be forgetful you have to have a really good memory um you have to be communicating concisely and strictly to the relevant stakeholders so like clear communication is very important one of the things they told us in our interview is do you think you're as cool as a cucumber <laughs> and not like cool sunglasses cool but cool as in like are you able to like stay collected during a stressful situation and able to still problem solve while under that pressure right um because like I said, because it's a 24 hour, 24-7 type of cycle, like operations, this this kind of goes to like running a plant or a manufacturing plant of any kind too. If something mm-hmm. at the beginning of the process breaks down, everything after that point is going to be broken as well. Yeah. Right? Wow. So you have to find ways to kind of like patch different parts of that chain and make sure nothing is impacted. So my role, my primary role is purchasing. And I deal with produce specifically for HelloFresh. So there's mm-hmm. multiple categories because we the yep. ingredients, there's five different categories. There's produce, protein, dairy, dry spice, baked goods, 
and uh, frozen, right? So these mm-hmm. these different categories, like each category has a different purchaser, and then yep. each distribution center has a different team, right? So I work for Alberta. We have three distribution centers across Canada, one in mm-hmm. Abbotsford, BC, one in Edmonton, Alberta, and then one in uh, Mississauga, Ontario, right here. Mm. So because I work for the West side, my hours a little wonky there too, yeah. <laughs> but cause I'm working two hours behind. Right. So like I'm often working or at the beginning of this role, when we didn't have a lot of extra support, I was working to like 8 PM every day, which was like, that was a, that was not fun either, but we have a little bit more support now. So I'm able to kind of be like, all right, six o'clock I'm, I'm out. If there's any mm-hmm. real emergency, they have to call me, but I'm not going to yeah. like, I'm not expected to be sitting there like on Slack or checking my email or like, actively working until there's an actual problem um but that just means like making sure before i hop off that everything is as smooth as it needs to be so my the main function of my role is again purchasing the produce that i need or the production needs at alberta and then making sure that product gets into the warehouse in like on time in full and in quality those are my like three things that i really have to work towards so on time means like making sure nothing is delayed for shipment because the product that we received today, we're kidding tomorrow. And then that goes on for the whole production week. So we run in like a weekly cycle because our customers are getting their kits on a weekly cycle. So then we're going, our cycle is weekly. Then I need to make sure it's in full. So we're not getting shorted. We're not like, we actually got what we ordered. Uh, nothing extra, nothing more. Right, because that yep. improve that impacts like our invoicing service, uh, like part of it, which I'm also responsible for at the end, and then in quality. So, am I actually getting like in spec product? So, with non manufactured SKUs, um, a SKU is like what we call the ingredients. So, uh, for people that work in like warehouses, they know what a SKU is. It's kind of like the barcode that's associated with a specific item. So, we just call our ingredients SKUs. That's just the lingo at Hellfresh, but any specific ingredient like for produce ingredients specifically it's very different than i would say it's the hardest category to work in i think everybody hellofresh understands that produce is the hardest most volatile um category to work in because we're not getting like boxed product that's manufactured and like given to us in like a perfect like wrapped up nicely kind of thing right like it's not gonna always be 100 tomatoes per case it's not always going to be 50 pounds of potatoes. Like there's going to be a little bit of buffer, um, a little bit of like, like you need wiggle room there. So a lot of like things can be going wrong. Like the, like our vendors main function or primary function is just to move product because they're also just like moving product. But for us, our, our, our needs are very specific. Like grocery stores have a way larger kind of buffer that they can work towards or work with. So like if they're receiving, like if like 30% of their product is a defect, they'll still accept it because a grocery store can put things on like the premium rack and then like a sale rack, but for HelloFresh or like a company that's very specific, that has very specific needs, we can't accept anything that has like a specific percent of like defect. So it's a lot of just dealing with like, oh, what if this doesn't happen, then this happens. So. A lot of like the background work means like keeping up with produce market reports. So like if you ask me, hey, Guggen, what's the hardest vegetable to get right now? I can tell you, <laughs> right? And it's, yep. it's really cool to learn about like um, the latest thing that I just learned at the beginning of this year or the, I was actually at the end of, at the end of last year was that we're going to have a potato shortage in the winter. And everybody's like, why is there going to be a potato shortage? Because cruise ships are back in operation and cruise ships steal all the food because <laughs> they're going out for like weeks at a time. Yep. So they, they, because the cruise ships and like cruise companies are so rich, they always get the first bid on everything because they're willing to pay more. So the small guys like us, we're not that small. Well, the small guys like us, we always get left with nothing. Right. Yep. So things like that. I never thought when I started my job at HelloFresh that I would be concerned with the Mexican cartel. But every few months, I'm reminded that avocados are literal gold in Mexico. And that's why we can't get them in Canada right now. Uh, like like avocados and limes. Like the cartel has... Like the cartel has... Uh, like they, 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 they don't, they don't let anything... 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Wow. No idea. Never, never would have thought. I was like, wow. Narcos? I thought that was only about drugs. No, not about avocados. <laughs> yeah, so, like, things like, it's, it's really fun. Like, it's fun to be, like, fun to learn about. Definitely uh, appreciate food in general way more. Like, yeah. how much work it actually takes to grow things and move product. Because um, mm-hmm. produce is produces it just in time skew like it's not going to last forever it's not shelf shelf stable so if something's ruined it's like it's gone that's like waste and my inner gardener like i mentioned before one of my hobbies is gardening like my inner gardener cries (laughs) every time i have to throw away like three pallets of cucumbers because they didn't get used in time and they're moldy i'm like you know how much time it took to grow that and that's every day We, we we deal with a lot of food waste so uh another part of my job is to like my background projects are like reducing waste on a weekly basis. How can we do that? Um, reducing cost on a weekly basis. How can we do that? So a lot of that cost is the waste bucket, but we're working together with the fund. So it's, it's, it's a really cool cross-functional role. I think anybody who wants to go into procurement, um, you're working with logistics, you're working with sourcing, you're working with the AP, like the, your um, accounts payable team, cause you're the one paying out all the invoices. So uh, you're working with project management team who is, coming up with new processes and ways to uh, improve not only the DC's operations, but yeah. also like our procurement operations. So like how can we be sourcing better so that we're not wasting so much product? How can yeah. we work with, how can we anticipate our demand better based on like data that's collected by the data team mm-hmm. so that we're not over-purchasing or under-purchasing, right? Like yeah. it's really, the cool thing about HelloFresh again is I feel like this is just a long ad for HelloFresh, but I feel like Hello the really cool thing about HelloFresh is we're also a tech company. So we're we're not only a service company, like a like we have a product, but we're also yeah. a tech company. So the global headquarters is in is, is in Germany. That's where our tech uh hub is well. Our tech uh-huh. hub is there as well. Um because a lot all of our tools and all, all of our like data tools all of our like Mm -hmm. operational tools all of our like even like the from the website itself is all developed in-house we don't use we don't use any of like any like well-known procurement tools that like a normal company would use Mm -hmm. right so we don't like anytime somebody like people will be messaging me on linkedin all the time be like hey how do you how is your procurement tools at hellofresh like we, we would love to sell this product to you and i'm like sorry like we have like thanks but all of our yeah. tools are developed in-house because our needs are so specific. Like this is a very mm-hmm. unique yeah. service and like product. It's not like we're just, we're not manufacturing anything in-house. We're moving a lot of things. So it's a lot of like moving mm-hmm. pieces, but I love it. I, I hate it sometimes when it's like 9 PM and I'm getting a call from Calgary, but yeah. wow. I still love it. Yeah. It's really cool to be like working in this like huge kind of like, operation like i like it goes back to mm-hmm. me my whole like thing of like wanting to be a part of something bigger right yeah. uh it feels imp- like it i think i needed like to feel important and it made me feel important to a degree or like useful productive mm-hmm. not just like somebody was like pushing like you know just like just sitting at a computer all day so i get yeah. to i get to travel i got to travel for work too so i got to go to bc nice. and edmonton two three times and go work mm-hmm. with the teams there um I'm coming, I'm going to like a, uh, produce convention (laughs) at the end of April, getting to meet like local, local vendors and stuff. And, um, it's just like, it's a cool, it's a cool, it's a whole different world out there. The job description matches your jack of all trades kind of characteristic. It it matches your personality very well. I think, I think that was the biggest thing I got from my, like, friend group and like family too they're like this just Mm -hmm. feels like it just fits so well and i'm like yeah because i don't like sitting and like doing g sheets and excel sheets all day which i do Mm -hmm. i do spend a lot of my times doing that but it's not just that right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like talking to people like i'm on the phone for like three hours a day you know like i have a lot of cross-functional meetings a lot of like um applying different like skill set now like i was able to bring in my produce knowledge as a avid like home gardener to yeah to to this job as well right like produce just seemed like a calling at that point <laughs> i was like I was, I was so excited about it you mentioned that a lot of the higher ups 
are chemical engineers, but she also mentioned that the requirement was technically just a, mm -hmm. an engineering degree or a business or degree. Business. Yeah. So what types of people are you working with in your workplace? And then what does what do those interactions look like um, between like engineering degree folks and the business degree folks? Is there a lot of crossover? Uh, I think so. My team directly is all uh, engineers and yeah, they're all engineers and business business grads. Um, mm -hmm. I would say like at that point, because a lot of these people have like this is not like their first or second job like everybody's kind of well settled and has like a good set of skills i wouldn't be able to differentiate like who the engineer is and who the who the mm. business kids are like i don't think yeah. i would i would be able to every because at that point you're it's more like converged your skill set is a little bit more you know mm -hmm. well-rounded at that point anyways but a lot of the um a lot of the higher ups or like a lot of the management positions are like it's cool to see them it's cool to see like what we did learn in school like all the process maps and all the process control that i even did in like engineering it's cool to see that being like yeah done on, a, on in, a, in a in a food facility kind of way. Like, i don't know why i just like didn't think and it goes back to like not being exposed enough during undergrad right mm -hmm. like i felt like i was in a whole different world for those six years yep right it came and i'm like there's actually so much more to this like i wish i knew that i would have not lost that confidence right i would have but can't talk about the past now obviously but like it, it it would it would just that's kind of what i would tell the people i would tell anybody who's interested like to really just explore the option how can you do that i don't know go sit on linkedin and just like scroll scroll and scroll and scroll look at people like instead of um looking for job instead of looking for um what kind of role or what kind of sorry job i can find with my role like search up your program in linkedin and see the people that come up in that program and then see what kind of jobs you're doing i think that was a really big thing for me too that's kind of how i learned how to use linkedin i was like okay i want to see the different type of job that people with my program what they're doing yeah. and then what they and then i also studied obviously like went and explored people that were at companies like HelloFresh and what they studied and how they got there. And a lot of them had like very similar like entry. So this is an entry level role. I forgot to mention that this was an entry level role, but um, a lot of growth in between. Like, so like I can go like right now I'm hitting my like year and a half mark and I'm well on my way to going to, into like a management position. Wow. Right. So it's, it's, they, they offer a lot of growth and stuff in here too, but um I don't remember what you said earlier about the types of the people you're working with and interaction. how those interactions look. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it's a lot of meetings. We we do a lot of meetings, a lot of huddles. Um, they like my manager is responsible for all the purchasers within that facility within that DC, right? So I mm. I have a HQ manager and then I have a DC manager. So I'm in uh, like the headquarters for HealthFresh is like in Toronto uh yep. in downtown toronto so but then we also have like but i but i work for a specific dc in in alberta so i have my alberta manager as well so my my kind of higher up my one-up manager is responsible for all the different categories so they would not they're not only handling produce they're handling protein dairy dry spice baked goods mm. uh, and they're managing our activities so we're reporting back to them every single day on like this is what went wrong today. This is how we solved it. This is the problem that I anticipate tomorrow. And this is how I'm going to solve it. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of, because it's so many moving pieces, so many different functions, it's constant communication. Like I can't be like, mm, I'm not talking to anybody for the next two hours. Yeah. No way. There's constant communication, constant me telling people, and then also having to know what other people are like listening to other people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So every yeah so there's constant communication like constantly checking slack at the beginning it was very stressful getting used to that um a lot of our communication with our people outside of my company so like my vendors that i'm dealing with on a daily basis actually happens over whatsapp and wow. i didn't i don't have a work phone because carrying two phones is very stressful for me like i can barely just handle one um yeah. so 
and because WhatsApp is also my main mode of communication in my regular, like my daily life, having like my work stuff in there is a little much sometimes, but it got used yeah. to it over time. But a lot of it is like, I prefer WhatsApp over email for a lot of situations because it's so go, go, go. And it's so like, yeah. if this is impacting now, I don't have time to wait for somebody's email. Like I'm either going to call you or I'm going to WhatsApp you, which is like way easier. So WhatsApp group chats for life, for everything. Um, from ev- like from for literally everything from planning mm-hmm. a birthday party to uh procuring produce that's how my life works um a lot of and then like uh, a lot of my some of my interactions are like are more on a weekly basis with like managers so presenting like the biggest problem of the week and what we did to solve it again it's a lot of like how do how did we deal with this week and how are we going to deal with what's coming up right Hmm. um we're recognizing our team members so it's a lot of like a lot of good camaraderie that's that's i think that's a really cool unique thing we get to do that every week in our little huddle um presenting we're all given like the freedom and we're all encouraged to work on like our own individual project projects so Mm -hmm. one of the projects that i'm currently working on is uh reducing inventory waste in produce and because I said produce is a just-in-time skew, we don't really keep a lot of pro- inventory. But we have a select handful of skews, like out of like 100 skews that I deal with on a weekly basis, like 10, 12 of them, we are able to carry over into the next week. So we do keep an inventory. But when we keep inventory, it impacts the way we order things. And then we can just be over-ordering every week because we don't know what's in inventory. So working, I like in my, in the past year, I was like able to work with, we, we actually launched it or like we piloted it in Alberta and then we, and then we like introduced it properly in the other two DCs. So we just, it was such a simple fix. I just don't know why nobody had done it before. It was such a simple fix where like, we just had one extra communication with the production team at the end of every week. Where instead of them just like throwing everything in the donation pile, we asked them to write everything and like the description of like why they're donating it. And then we decide if they're throwing it out or not. Because we found out they were throwing away a lot of things that were actually usable. Right? And this goes back, this kind of, the reason that was happening was because a lot of the associates working at these DCs are like non-English speaking people. Right. So a lot of the labor force is like a lot of them are Punjabi, like every HelloFresh DC has most of their signage in Punjabi. Really? Wow. Yeah, that's really that was really fun fact that I learned, too, when I finally decided to visit the DCs. So a lot of these people are like trained and that the turnover rates are really high because nobody honestly stays working at a warehouse at a cold facility, especially. It's not like a normal warehouse a food facility. Is it like four degrees? So it's constantly cold and it's mm. people just don't stick around. That's just like the nature of food facilities, but yeah. they get trained so quickly. And then they're like, just, they're kind of just there to do their eight hours and then dip. Yeah. They, mm. I could like a lot of them could care less, <laughs> which is yeah. fair. Cause they're just trying to like get in and out. They're just trying to yeah. do their hours and then get out. Right. So a lot of it was like, just improper training. So like working on like creating a protocol and process for like training people better or having like select people that were a little bit more trained and then Mm -hmm. them communicating things like, um, uh, like I said, what was the reason they were donating? Okay, cool. Uh, let me sign off on it. Uh, how much was actually going on a week basis? What day, what day would be best to do that process so that like our ordering isn't our ordering is done based on that. And then like mm-hmm. presenting how much money we were saving. So we were saving like now suddenly we're saving like $30,000 a month on this. Yeah. Right. That's a big win. Even though we're spending yeah. thousands, like I'm responsible for like, I'm responsible for like over $200,000 spend per week, but mm-hmm. that 30,000 still adds up right over the year. Yeah. It's not a lot, but it still adds up. Right. So things like, uh because when when i started it was a very fresh it was like a really small company um Mm -hmm. in canada and then covid helped it really grow because during covid nobody was going to grocery stores nobody went nobody was leaving their house nobody was Mm -hmm. restaurants were closed so what option did you have 
So the amount of growth yeah. that happened in those first six months was like mm -hmm. HelloFresh could not handle it. HelloFresh Canada could not handle it. Definitely yeah. did not have the infrastructure to handle that growth. So a lot of the small scale processes were not like applicable or like we're not working on, on a large scale. Mm -hmm. Here's where my chemical engineer comes in again. So a lot of chemical engineering is optimizing or scaling up small level processes. So chemical engineering is not chemistry. I think a lot of people think like chemical engineers are just like making chemicals in a lab. No, that's yeah. what the chemist does. The chemical okay. engineer comes in, takes that like five grams of product that the chemist made. And then mm -hmm. I got to figure out how to make 50 tons of that a year in the most optimal way process. So yeah. it's not like the, it's not like the actual product itself, but it's like how to scale it up. So again, using like, how are you able to like, yeah, so it was like using, using like that type of approach and like process knowledge uh, to like yeah. scale up something that was like really small into like a bigger process, right? So I was able to make those connections. It was it, it, when I when that kind of settled in, I was like happy and confident and yeah. like feeling good about it, right? Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what my interaction. They're they're different every day, and also because the market's changing all the time, our tools are changing all mm -hmm. the time. It's, it's never been like the same. I've been here for like almost two years. It's, I could say that every three to six months, there's been like a major improvement or change or like restructure that causes you to relearn again. So I think I like, I like that about the role too. It hasn't been boring. There's been a lot of like constant relearning and reprioritization. That's like one of our like key values <laughs> at the company yeah. where we, we have to be able to like prioritize and relearn. So Interesting. I'm constantly learning and like, in, like teaching and teaching and learning. Cause I'm, uh, the turnover rate was a little high at the beginning. So I was training a lot of people mm -hmm. for the first, I think I trained like four people since I started. Wow. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm like, I'm definitely a, I would classify as a subject matter expert in produce. So I just became like the resident trainer. Like very early on, yeah. We're gonna now pivot from your professional journey to your personal Sikhi journey. So, where does that journey begin? My Sikhi journey, definitely from my family. Uh, I grew up in like a grandparents or Amritari, both sets of grandparents, uh, and dad grew up in Amritari family he he's not so in our house it wasn't really like like it wasn't really on the forefront growing up but definitely mm -hmm. had that like uh base and foundation everything that i know is from my grandparents so like my dad that they yeah. raised me um and really like with Marit Kirpa, like my dad that family uh here and in india were like really lucky to have like non-exaramapur sangat like growing up mm -hmm. so it was always kind of there but when you're when you're little like i think i don't i don't think i was really into it when i was when i was that young um yep. when we were all living together but it was always something that was important it was always there in the background like the anchor and the faith was always like kind of instilled in that sense mm -hmm. and then i remember when we were like in elementary school we started going to godmouth camps every summer so that was it was always like fun to have like something to get away from like real life with I think for me it was more of like a, a fun vacation <laughs> like government camp was like a fun vacation yeah. um got to see like my friends every summer so that that's kind of where it started but again it never stayed like it didn't it wasn't like a a throughout the year thing it was just like a summer thing like oh I'm gonna go do like I'm gonna go like focus on my sikhi during the summers it was like that we didn't really yeah. grow up going to the gordura much um had like mm -hmm. punjabi school but it wasn't like a like i'm gonna go to the gordura every week or yeah. like every other day kind of thing um uh, but then when we started doing those government camps it it i think it ex definitely pushed me to explore it uh like individually right and that's mm -hmm. when i started like retaining things started like then we started doing like um started doing classes with uh um Malton on the weekends where they would like teach you how to do part I'm like okay yeah cool like I'll do this too mm -hmm. when you're little like I didn't even think about it and then during high school I don't it wasn't really there it was really like just in the I guess it's it just in the background like yeah we'd go to the Gurdwara mm -hmm. every now and then listen to my part every now and then but it wasn't like yeah. very active 
and then ES happened, and then like I said, <laughs> rest is history. <laughs> uh, okay. But that that's that's kind of where it started, and since then, like just being around people who are where I want to be. Uh, so I am not Amritari right now, right? But that's definitely something that I'm working towards, have been working towards, and like would definitely like rely on this group of people to like keep me anchored. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how I stay connected, right? Like doing seva with this group. And how do you stay connected with Sakif on a personal basis on a day to day? On a day to day, so like. I started doing my Santeo two years ago, so really mm-hmm. focusing on time, taking away time every day to do your, to do your the name, uh, trying to incorporate that as, as my daily. You know, it took a really long time to get to this point, but again, just mm-hmm. like, don't really have any of the. I think I was, I, I made a lot of excuses, and I think like, oh, I don't have time. Like I'm in school, I don't have time to do my Santeo. Yeah. Like I don't have time to do this. But when I finally kind of finished school and like, COVID was like on the brinks i'm like what am i doing <laughs> i need to yeah. like get on this so that's kind of my daily connection i love going to kirtans like i kirtan was a thing that really like even when i was younger like i was all that was a thing that bond me i know some people like the history is really like thing that reels them in for me it was always kirtan um and mm-hmm. simran like so i did always go uh, grow up i did grow up going to simran uh, very that was like the main thing that i did <laughs> that was the thing that kind of started it all so mm-hmm. Simran Smogums, anytime, Kirtan Smogums, like Ikide Smogums in the summer, um, even though my family was like more non-exciting Tiksali, but you know, anytime I'm there for the Kirtan, if there's a Kirtan, I'm there. Uh, that's how I stay connected on a daily, for sure. Doing my Saj Patabyaz, you know. Do you have any role men? Still have a lot sorry, to go. Role... Do you have any role models or mentors, career-wise or Sikhi-wise? Um, and what's something or the biggest lesson that they've taught you so far career wise i honestly wouldn't say i have a specific mentor uh other than like my team at work but in terms of like oh somebody who i aspire to be as like some like a business manager no not really i have learned i have learned over the years like that i don't really put career as my like forefront anymore mm-hmm. I definitely am focusing on like personal development, the key, just life, like family life more. I think the older I get, yeah. the more I'm shifting in that sense. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I'd be lying to you if I said I did have a mentor. I don't because um, I don't, it just doesn't, it's not like the most important thing to me anymore. Yeah. Um, in terms of Sikki, I wouldn't say it's one specific person. I know I keep talking about yes, but the specific group of people, like they're all my role models, like I like I aspire to be and to stay in their sangat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I were to be very very specific, it would be my grandfather who passed away three years ago. So my dadaji, mm-hmm. he was like, he was the one who like really like out of I think out of I'm not gonna toot my own horn here, but I was definitely the favorite <laughs> grandchild. Um, out of many and i don't have to argue like everybody i think they can all agree but he was definitely like the one who really pushed me uh in every aspect of life that he was always there for me he was always telling me what to do um even though even when i was away from school for so long like i would still remember the things that he would say to me when i was younger right um little things and when he passed like or as he was passing because he was uh, in palliative care for the last few weeks um as he was passing like the the way that i saw him just constantly doing simran nothing else he would just be like don't talk to me that was his like time right and uh he was like if you want to sit here like he would tell us like, if you want to sit here karo. that's the only thing i want to hear he was like he also couldn't speak himself at like at the end so it was, but the only thing that was on his muk was Vahigru, the whole time. And I think, like, because of that, I was, I because I was with him for those, like, last five, six weeks, like, that's all I did for those five, six weeks, too. Right? And yeah. uh, before that time, I feel like I there was definitely a gap. And that was, like, I think, my beautiful way of, like, kind of just, like, 
putting me back on the path and I like really remember that too it was a really big like it was a big pivot in my life like I started my suntail after that moment actually because my property was like no do it and I'm like okay um sometimes it takes like a really big thing you know event to happen for you to like get shoved into place I definitely feel like he he did that for me um like that's when I that's when it kind of started coming from Andro like this Andro Chahatsigi to really understand and like when it comes to like people that are on this path or like looking to go on this path like a lot of self-reflection like self-reflection is important right like contemplating is important like don't just do it or listen to it for the sake of doing it or listening to it like I think the the thing that's going to bring you closer to it like is understanding it and no one's like I don't think it's I don't think you'll ever really get to the point of understanding it fully like right up um unless you're blessed with enlightenment at that level but all we can do is try right and that's what Maharaj wants we they just want us to try to understand so really just like and for me the big part of that was like doing abhyas of like actual bonding like no i have obviously nothing like i don't know anything but that was the biggest thing that made me like closer and like implementing that practice on my daily day right like day to day basis so and there's a big part of that because it being able to do like duru pat is important <laughs> not only like right listening to it is one thing for sure right but being able to do it and understanding it further more is like the steps that you should be taking but that's how i try to stay connected <laughs> yeah we're going to pivot now to the past a little bit um okay. if you were able to speak with first year undergrad gagan is there any advice or lesson you'd give her knowing everything you do now okay so i i i am repeating myself cuz i feel like we did talk about this earlier but mm-hmm. definitely just don't do everything by yourself mm-hmm. right don't feel like you need to do everything by yourself yeah cuz that's what i was doing um and that that may have just been from like i said my that was just like my personality trait at that point where i was very like hyper independent didn't want to felt like i didn't need help even yeah. i even when i needed help i was like i don't need help mm-hmm. right definitely an ego thing for sure um but yeah like that's my biggest advice like find a group of people who want the same thing as you and become their friend and really you know like hope hope for the best hope, hopefully you want the best for each other but just stick with them and like they will help you and you will help them and like it's it's a group effort it really is right um yeah it was actually like one of my second year professors who kind of drilled that into her head uh and i wish i wish i had drilled it into my own head in first year but don't do anything on your own like really just like teamwork will teamwork makes a dream work you know like that's what it is so that's my biggest piece of advice and also balance out um please sleep sleep if anything nothing yeah. is more important than sleep um i feel like there's a lot of like culture like around like there's a lot of this like weird there's this weird culture like oh my god i didn't like i didn't sleep at all last night it's almost like a competition like you want to like yeah. tell the other person how less you slept yeah. i've i've been in that i've been in that and i can like it's really weird <laughs> so like just sleep sleep is important if your brain's not functioning like nothing else is going to be able to function so having having uh having gone through that burnout and uh, having gone through that uh, like all the health implications that came from it and i like i know what happened and i know how much yeah. worse it was after like just definitely just really prioritize your health and your sleep because without that like nothing else is going to be nothing else is going to be like as optimal as you want it to be right it's not like you won't survive but you won't thrive for sure right what about the opposite where do you see yourself in a few years in a few years uh i think i want to career wise if you're asking i think i want to explore the world of like product management um which is not project management but it's a lot mm-hmm. of like transferable skills but i definitely like even if i were to be at hello fresh i definitely see the uh like i got to see the procurement process and the operation of like how everything is 
moved from one place to another, but like really okay. developing that thing that you're selling in that product. I think I think that's where I want to want to move in the future. And then that's like three to four years, hopefully. In a sicky wise, like just keep going. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what's gonna happen there. What whatever's gonna happen, just continue doing seva with this awesome group of people at ES. You know, really excited to see where that that goes. Um, probably have some kids. <laughs> I'm getting married this year, so we'll see where life takes us and how that will impact mm-hmm. my career. But that's where I see myself in five years. We like to end every podcast with what we call the random five. This is where I'm just going to ask you five totally random questions just so the listeners can get to know you better. So the first one is, what is your favorite book? I don't have one. I'm not a, real, I'm not a really big book reader, but I have read the whole Harry Potter series, which is the only series I've actually read from being a kid. <laughs> nice. Yeah. What is your favorite quote and or Barney Bunk thing? Ooh, that's a good one. My favorite quote, uh, I think this is a really good way to tie off what, what I've been speaking about, um, is, I don't, this is not a quote, I think this is a proverb or a proverb, I don't know how to say it, but mm-hmm. it's, do not dig up in doubt what you have planted in faith. Yeah. So, wow. I, I really, that, that's been stuck with me. I, I used to have it written on a little sticky note in, uh, yep. in university, and I've had it since grade 12, like, on my old laptop. And that was a, that was a really big thing. Like we, we make this plan we like think that we're going to go through it. So it's just basically like, don't quit. Right. Like don't whatever at that moment you had full faith and passion in doing this. Like Mm -hmm. some, there are going to be hiccups along the way, but don't lose that like initial faith and that focus that you had. Right. Um, so like in that moment of doubt, don't, Right. So whatever it is, you'll get through it, whatever obstacle. Once you pass the obstacle, you'll see that that initial like that initial goal is still achievable and you'll mm-hmm. still get through it. Right. So that's my biggest one. Sure. Barney Bumpy, I think. Uh, I'm going to have to go with something from Rara Saab. That was the first that was the first. Uh, Barney, I really, really focused on. Thanks again. Thanks to my grandma and grandpa. But I think it would be uh Prasad Par Padpaya Duke Kast Hadya. Right? And uh that that if you, I'm not gonna go into like the pias <laughs> of it, uh, but like okay. just some again it kinda links back to that quote, like when you have when you think that there's like nothing left and you've like you're dead and dried out, like they're like Mara's gonna be there to water mm-hmm. you back, you know, and like you're blossom again. So just remembering that that faith, having that faith and that and that anchor. Okay. Next question is what is one of your weird quirks? <laughs> I have so many weird quirks. Um I don't know, Dorad, you know me a little bit. What do you think one of my weird quirks is? I'm not allowed to comment. Sometimes... I'm the host. Okay, so I've had to I've had to control myself during this podcast. I have this weird thing where, like, I'll just switch into a British accent every now and then, and people get really confused. Either a British accent or, like, a, a Delhi, like, a New Delhi, like, Hindi yep. accent. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. But it's something that, yeah, it's definitely a weird quirk I've had for, like, 10, 15 years now. It's just... I think I'm that's gonna, one of I'm the gonna... things. Yeah, right? Okay, you agree? <laughs> uh, th- that makes our conversation so lively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, think that's so too. One of those. Yeah. If you could meet anyone in history, who would it be? Oh, hmm. I actually didn't think about this. I think, uh, I think Nikola Tesla would be cool to meet. That's like a really boring engineer answer. I remember yeah, I did a bit. paper on it. I did a paper on him in like my fourth year on, on electric hmm. vehicles and like how he came across or how he came to like be the first guy to do all that i think i think he had a really weird brain and yeah. i i recommend watching the documentary on netflix for that too he would be a really cool guy to pick pick his brain about yeah and last question is what is your biggest pet peeve i have i think i have too many but i but i also don't really have like they're all really trivial so i don't know people that people that don't put their things back in place like i like everything to be in place 
Like Fair. I, I, yeah, I just, it, like, I like, I'm a, things have their place. Like I'm messy, but there's yeah. a designated corner for that mess. So I just don't like things yeah. all over the place. Yeah. You would hate my desk. Um, that wraps up <laughs> our podcast. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, I hope, I hope that this podcast made some semblance of sense uh, with all my rambling. That's kind of what I'm going to just leave off with. Uh, you know, when it comes to your career, when it comes to like your life goals, it's, it's okay to pivot and it's okay to change, right? Like evolution happens. Um, like I said, like I was, I went through that whole process of accepting change. It was, it, it, but I don't think I had that outlook at the beginning. I was very convinced and thought things would work out the way they were meant to. Um, yeah. But we're really young at that age. I was really young at that age as well. So now that I'm older, like five years older, I can obviously say in retrospect that no, we evolve as people. Um, so obviously like our choices will evolve too, right? Like that yeah. just have to be open. Just keep, keep an open mind, uh, be open to change um don't judge people don't judge yourself <laughs> you know for not for not meeting your goals it's okay to have new goals it's okay mm -hmm. to uh it's always it's always okay to work towards something new right like don't yeah. don't put yourself down too much uh and then in general like i keep saying just find a really solid group of people and uh you'll, you'll be fine like sangeeta is really important whether it's like at school near at your workplace or like in just in life in general like the we're 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 meant to be in tribes right so it's important to have that tribe and work towards happiness and success together that's where we'll be ending our episode here for today thank you for being on the show and being so open about your experiences and uh hopefully our listeners were able to resonate with some of those and take a lot of the lessons away but we'll end today's episode there you've been listening to the experience siki podcast 